Hello, and welcome to Barren Not Broken. This is your host, Bonnie Ruth, and I am so incredibly excited about this conversation with my friend Peyton. She is one of the co-founders from Gathering Hope and also podcast host of Slaying the Stigma. We had an incredible conversation around so many different topics. It's longer than usual. It's two parts, but I can't tell you how layered and powerful this conversation was. I took so much away from it myself and just Peyton's heart. She is one of the biggest gifts that I've received from this community. I hope you'll enjoy. I hope you'll take it in. And I also hope that you'll walk away with practical things to encourage your heart. Hello, and welcome to Bear Not Broken. This is your host, Bonnie Ruth. And we also have my friend Peyton Otterdale with Playing the Stigma. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're doing a collab. So we're both very excited to just partner together and share with our listeners our stories and some hope and hopefully some practical things that they can walk away with today and be encouraged. So we're going to start the conversation really just by sharing our stories. But we met each other online, right, Peyton? Yes. So we met each other online and I just like got up the nerve to reach out and DM you. I slid into your DMs is that only for dating or is that like a friend thing too? I don't know. Um, it's, how, so, it's how I meet everybody in the lost mom world. Literally yes. everyone. Yes. And so I was like, okay, I have to meet the scout. Like she is so awesome. And we just had a conversation and hit it off. And just, I feel like we're new BFFs and um, just really like had a heart connection and also um, just really value what the other person's doing. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's so fun about this friendship. So I'm excited because now we're new BFFs and we're going to share our stories together. So why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us what slaying the stigma is. Tell tell us, you know, who you are and a little bit about your story. Thank you so much, Bonnie Ruth. Um, It is, I'll I'll tell you, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little intimidating for me to be on this side of the questions because <laughs> I um, I very rarely tell tell my personal story. I write okay. uh, quite a bit, but I yep. don't verbally share my story all that often. And the reason is because so our podcast is called Slaying the Stigma, and we talk about changing the narrative. And so I'm always on the other side of that question of share your story with with yeah. me. Yeah, and. Um, so I will, I'll share with you that I am the co-founder of Gathering Hope, um, along with my friend, Carol Vantine. And I lost my son, James, in 2014. And so I was 41 weeks pregnant with a surprise baby. And he was, uh, he was a surprise in every way. <laughs> so I had a, a five-month-old at the time. Um, and had no idea that pregnancy could come quote unquote easily to me Yeah, because my first two children are four years apart. And so I had, I lost 50 pounds. I only Mm -hmm. ate organic foods. Any meat I ate only came from farms. Like (laughs) I wanted another baby in the worst way. And I know so many women. You're doing all the things. 
Yes, yeah. all the things. Um, I was working out twice a day, every day. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time um, to my oh. oldest child. And so just to backtrack a little bit, um, my my second child, she um, she was only five months old when I became pregnant again. And I had just, again, like for lack of a better term, like had worked so hard yeah. to get her. That I just didn't think like I needed to be careful in any way. Mm. And so um, just getting really personal right away, my husband and I I went away for um, an anniversary trip and we came home with a souvenir. So there you go. There you go. That's that's an anniversary trip. Yes. Yes. Um, And it was, man, it it really kind of shocked me. Um, but in the best possible way, you know, I had, I had always wanted to have three children. Um, I didn't envision having them that close together, Yeah, yeah. but I, I had always truthfully, I would have been a stay at home mom and have had as many children as I possibly could and into perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a life that I, I wanted for myself. Um, so fast forward to his birth and I had a placental abruption and a uterine rupture. And so I am kind of fast tracking through a lot, but, um, you know, his, his labor and birth Mm. were beautiful until it wasn't. Mm. And, um, he spent, 18 hours on earth with us, all of that in the NICU. And it was, everything just happened so fast. Mm. And it was, as with all stories rooted in loss, it just wasn't something that we could like take in and comprehend like what in the world, you know? Yeah, you can't prepare for those kind of things. No, no. And so we did, we, we lived a lifetime with him in 18 hours wow. and we read books to him. We sang songs to him. Our church, uh, amazingly enough was literally across the highway from where he was born. Oh, wow. And he was born on a Sunday and oh. news had kind of trickled in to our small group and people just came. And I, there were so many people that had the opportunity to meet him and to be with us in, in our sorrow, our community just immediately rallied around us. And I think so many times we, how do I want to put this? Like we check ourselves of like, I shouldn't get involved. It's probably too crowded over there. And like, Never in my life have I been so glad that people didn't second guess whether or not they should have been there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just got to introduce my son to so many people who were important to me. Yeah. And uh, so I think that was, that is probably where the root of my desire for community comes in. Yeah. And the reason why Gathering Hope exists 
because it creates a community for people who don't have it. And looking back, I, I realize like not everybody has that scenario. In fact, most people don't. Yeah. Uh, The countless numbers of women that I talk to who are like, no one was there for me and no one continues to be there for me. Right. I almost feel like I had to experience what it could be like Mm -hmm. in order to like move that needle forward for other women who aren't, who aren't going to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like what an honor it is. Yeah. (laughs) It, it like, I, when I say it out loud, I'm like, does that sound conceited? No, it's a powerful thought because I think, and I know you're sharing your story, but I'm going to jump in for a second. I think what was so powerful about what you did just say is that so often when we are going through something traumatic, like what you are walking through, we don't allow ourselves to grieve and heal to the point where we can see there's purpose on this side of it. And we lock ourselves off. And what you did is you have taken this side of it, right? Because in the moment to see purpose in that, like, that's almost impossible, at at least in our humanness. I don't believe like, okay, don't tell somebody to find purpose in it right then. Down the road, on on this side of it, okay, maybe we could start finding some purpose. But what you've done is you've taken and you've allowed purpose to partner with the tragedy and loss that you experienced so that other people can find what you needed and what they need. And how would they find that otherwise? You know, so definitely not conceited. It's powerful. It gave me goosebumps. Like if more of us did that in our pain, I think we wouldn't stay in pain as long. Mm. You know, Uh, it's hard for me to receive things like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're always giving. I know you're giving all the time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, I, like I was putting on makeup this morning and I'm like, why are you doing this? Cause I felt tears this morning as I got ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one of those women, and I still to this day don't know if she had experienced a loss, but she looked at me and she said, mm-hmm. you are a good mom. Mm. Yeah. We That's just feel so, so responsible. Yeah. And we're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're just. Or not, but she made sure to like grab my face. That's so good. And that's what I want women to know is like, yeah. you are a good mom. Yeah. Whether your yeah. child is here or not. Yeah. Yeah. You are that's a good tough. mom to that wow. child. And you don't have to start a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> In fact, you don't like, have to be crazy like we are. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to have any sort of like grand gesture. Your existence as their mother does not change no matter what. That's right. That is, there is purpose in that. That itself is purposeful. Like you are that. It doesn't change. Yeah. It does not. It does not change. Yeah. That's so, right. um, so yeah, James, James was only with us for 18 hours, but I really feel like he um he has made a huge impact yeah you know um yeah for the 
for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. How did you and your husband, you know, you've got, you had, you said you had two kids. Before I have James two. Grew. Yes. I have two living children and then yeah. James. Yeah. And so how did you and your husband, so two questions. One, how have you found you guys navigating that? And then how as parents did you navigate your other two children? I love those questions. Um, ironically, I was thinking about that today also, uh, we, we were both devastated, mm-hmm. but we very rarely fell apart at the same time. Mm. Yeah. And like, I remember sitting on the side of a bathtub, comforting my husband who is just openly grieving and crying. But for whatever reason, like I was able to just hold him and comfort him in that moment. And he would do the same thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever I was breaking down and grieving very, like, I would say I was way more open about it than he was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's pretty typical. And it felt very uncontrollable. Um, but we just never seemed to be like breaking down at the same time. And I just think back, like what a gift that was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and like only the grace of the Lord could have done that for us. Yep. That wasn't something that we were purposeful about by any means. Right. Just was the flow of things. Uh, yeah. in those early days. Now it looks different. Um, yeah. yeah. So my husband will come home from work and say, today was a hard day. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know, this as, as a fellow lost mom, like there's not, there's not rhyme or reason as to why, yeah. but something we see in the grocery store or something, you know, there's a date that like is kind of hidden in the back of our head and it rolls around and we remember. So, you know, that's kind of what it looks like now. And yeah, it's, it's definitely been an ebb and flow for both of us. Yeah. Um, As far as helping my two girls. I had, um, a 15, 16 month old at the time. Yeah. And a five-year-old at the time. And my five-year-old understood my baby girl did not have a clue. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what's been fascinating as they get older is my younger one who had no concept of what was happening at the time other than mom just wasn't as emotionally available as she was previously. Yeah. Um, she will bring James up when we travel or have a fun experience. Uh-huh. And she's like, I just wish James were here to enjoy this with us. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. like, that is something I did not expect. I didn't expect her to have any sadness about it because she didn't, 
she yeah. didn't meet him, right? I mean, right. she did, but we yeah. we have photos of that. But yeah, she didn't re- even realize that there was a baby coming. She was a baby herself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but isn't that interesting? The the heart. It's about the heart connection, and mm-hmm. it just shows like. Um, we always, we talk about legacy a lot, Jason and I, and I think like that's actually a beautiful definition of legacy. Like your legacy is it's beyond what we typically put it in a box to be. And James's legacy, but also your family legacy is connected in a way, even though James isn't here, he's a part of your legacy. And she feels that she senses that that's just, wow. And, and just to take that like one step further. So a lot of, uh, gathering hope was rooted in, I had, I had a friend who, um, she would have been godson to James. Okay. And she had a loss about two months after a very, very early miscarriage about two months after he was born. And she did not have people rally around her the same way they did about around us. Yeah. But she misses her baby just as much as I miss James. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's not about pictures or or holding that baby. It's, it's our hearts ache for the people who are not with us. Yes. That's good. And, and so it just, yeah. It just doesn't matter at at what point that baby was born. Yeah. yeah. That is a, a baby who is loved and missed, no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. right. That's interesting that you say that because you know, we've had three miscarriages and um we do feel more deeply connected to the first one just because of how it happened and um but we were just saying the other day, cause we've suddenly had like all these events with people like our age, like from high school or, you know, like weddings and graduation parties and all these things with like people that have kids that we would have the same age of kids. And so it doesn't hit often, but we were both saying how like, wow, like I feel like we're kind of living this for other people, but yet there's this sense that like we could have lived this for ourselves and what would that have looked like? And, Um, so it's true. Like there is that, that missing and that connection and that deep, um, it's a part of you. It's a part of who you are. Not, I don't mean the grief, but like the actual, you know, person that's now in heaven is a part of you Mm -hmm. and that doesn't go away no matter how much time you have for us in many years. And it's like, but when you have moments come up, like your daughter saying like, oh, I wish, you know, and we were saying the other day, I have three nephews on my side. My brother has three boys. And I was just sitting there like at the pool thinking, oh, my gosh, like they could have cousins like swimming with them right now. And that it's just a matter of like and they also know that. And so they also will sometimes say, like, what do you think our cousins would be like, you uh. know, like. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't just affect you. That's like, so as true. Or dad. It, it, it did affect your kiddos and even, you know, your youngest 
bringing that aspect in. I mean, what a beautiful thing to remind us of like, I see that as like, what a beautiful reminder that you are always connected to James. Even if you, you are necessarily not in that day having any thoughts about it either way, like here she comes like, Hey, we're still like, it's this beautiful reminder that he is woven into your family legacy and who Mm -hmm. you guys are. Mm -hmm. So that's Really we just powerful. we just got home from a, a quick vacation to Puerto Ranzas. And she we were fixing to go in and and she just bends down and, and with her finger she writes the words remember James and put a little cross mm-hmm. underneath it in the sand. Oh. And you know, like Yeah, like oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean we talk about James. But, and obviously she knows what I do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a pretty big part of our life. Yeah. But, but it's just, it's fascinating to me to, to see children there. You're right. It's, it's not just us moms and dads. It, Mm -hmm. It filters into the rest of the family. Yeah. 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 That's so as you have kind of, okay, you've shared a little bit about your story and kind of what's brought you to where you are today, but tell us a little bit about what you do and about your nonprofit, um, because I'm excited. I was, let me say it this way. I was so excited to find Gathering Hope because there's so many people who like you said earlier, they don't have a community. They are going through this by themselves. Very well-meaning people in their lives don't know how to walk with them. And so they're doing it alone and they don't have it in them to help train other people how to walk with them, you know? (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you and your partner and and what you guys have launched. So uh, Carol and I met, let's see. The first time we ever did a gathering together was in 2015. Um, But before that, Gathering Hope was, we didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. it was just just to help people. (laughs) Yeah. So um, it it really started, so I was in uh, weekly therapy um, with a counselor and I told her, I said, I feel like I am supposed to do something for moms like me. And, you know, my friend had experienced a miscarriage and they named that baby Casey. They didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Um, And I knew that that was part, that was essentially part of my story too, my friend's loss. And I said, I I think I'm supposed to do something for moms like me and fully expecting her to say, that's cute, (laughs) right? Um, That sounds like a great plan for later. And that is not what she said. She, she said, like, talk me out of it. Yes. That, that, honestly, that was what I was looking for her to do is to talk me out yeah. of it. And I knew it was going to be some sort of memorial thing. Um, and she said, I, I fully support what you're thinking. 
and yeah. um and she kind of dug around to see you know like what can I do as a therapist to help my client yeah. move through this and yeah, uh, she helped me navigate some of the technical pieces of putting wow. a quote unquote thing together. And, um, when awesome. we, we held our first gathering, uh, James would have been 18 months old at that time. Wow. And the framework of what gatherings look like today are very, very, very similar to that first one, which is we open with worship. We have uh, a few speakers and then the rest of our time is dedicated to sharing our stories at the table awesome. and facilitating those intentional conversations have truly been the honor of my life. Yeah. Other yeah. than being uh, a wife and a mom, this is yeah. the best thing that I get to do yeah. and helping people share their stories whether or not they have a support system at home is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And yep. every year, uh, my, my partner's name is Carol. Every year during the, the table discussion time, Carol and I just kind of s- step back and we look at each other and we, every year we say they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like awesome. we just can't believe that we get to be part of this for people. Yeah. yeah. And Amazing. it it truly is just a miracle every time we yeah. do it. Yeah. Um hosting a gathering is no small thing. We work on it for the better nope. part of a year. Yeah. <laughs> every year. That is no small thing, that's um, for sure. And it has grown. Um, year over year, it's grown, and we are still doing worship speakers and intentional conversations. We've added on a few things. We now have some host sites that have joined us for the gatherings, and yeah, um, yeah that's that is the. We do a few other things throughout the year. We um, we have something called the Timely Tender Tote, which helps other people who love you know, a lost mom, it, it equips yeah. them with something intentional to give her. Yeah. Um, but that gathering is the anchor point of what we do every yeah. year. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love, I love how you have taken what you've walked through. I mean, it's, and I know you might, you might not like it that I'm going to go this route, but you've taken your story. What could just be your story? And you have allowed not only other people to enter that space in such an intimate way, but you have made room for them to find other people to invite into their space and then into their space. And then it's like this chain reaction. And, you know, I've, I actually have a tattoo on my arm that says every story matters. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) mine and Jason's like motto in life is, and it's, it's the, it's the point of value. I would say like the motto we have for building relationships because every story does matter. It doesn't matter what the story is and our stories are what connects us. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, God knew what he was doing. We can't do life alone. He created community and the body of Christ for a reason. He created us to need other people. And I believe he did that 
And the way that he does that is he connects us through our stories. And whether that's a friendship, whether that's um, empathy, whether that's something we learn, like your story adds incredible value to other people's lives and vice versa. And so what I love about what you're doing is you are literally showing other people that, that their story matters and you're also living out how they can invite other people into that space. Cause mm-hmm. it is scary. It takes a lot of bravery to invite people into our story. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I did a bare not broken podcast And I thought, this is like the dumbest idea I've ever had in my life. Because, like, who wants to hear all of this, first of all? Second of all, I was like, I am literally putting, like, it's one thing to sit in a coffee shop and have a conversation with somebody. But what you've done and and what I felt like I'm hopefully doing with Bare Not Broken is, like, we're kind of exposing it. Like, we're saying, this is all of it. And if we can expose it, you can expose it. If we can invite people into our space, you can. And through that, there's deep connection, there's relationship, there's community. And so I I know that that's a value that you have, but I just, from the outside looking in, I hope you see like you are creating generations of people understanding. Mm. Like you are, you are creating um, you are helping other people to define what they want their story to look like. And I think we do that best when we invite other people in. Mm. Um, and Thank so you. you're just, yeah, you guys are, you guys are doing that. And it's just really powerful. I cannot wait to come to your event in October. Um, so I know we'll circle back around that and give all the details in, in a little bit later, but I just wanted them to here I wanted the listeners to hear and even if it's your listeners you know I know we're collabing on this but to be reminded of what you're doing and their partnership in that they're them showing up to an event or them being willing to share their story or to serve at the event or Mm -hmm. what partner with you in some way like there is a ripple effect that's happening and it's really powerful so it is I I love watching a part, part, probably my favorite part about what I get to do is to watch um, women, uh, our table leaders, willingly share their for, their story first. Yeah, and um, we have a little bit of training on how to do that, but yeah, yeah, but ultimately, it is them saying, "I'm going to open my heart up first. Yeah. And we have women every year who like whether they do it with their actual arms and cross them or mm-hmm. they um, emotionally cross their arms and they're like, yeah. I'm not exposing my heart in any way yeah. is yeah. an amazing thing to watch our table leader share her story mm. and then open the conversation up for another woman to share her story. Yeah. And then to watch, you can almost see it. Yeah. Their face changes and they visibly change mm. and they are like oh this is a safe place to do this right yeah um yeah. no one's going to like say but did you do this or or why didn't you do that or or at least you know you can get pregnant oh um, my goodness all the at least no. like that's we actually <laughs> we, believe it or not we actually have like established uh rules for the conversation to kind of help that's- keep boundaries awesome. around those yeah. conversations and keep them safe for people. 
but um, it is so amazing to watch women change their minds. Yeah. And, and open their hearts to doing that because you're right. It is, it is so healing when they, and when they experience healing, it's like what you just said, like, it doesn't just, not only does the grief not end with just mom, but the healing doesn't just end with mom. Yes. That's good. That's really good. And so she's able to carry a piece of that healing home with her and it changes the dynamic in her home as well. So that's really good. That's powerful. I'm excited to, um, I'm excited for us to get feedback on this episode because I think some of what you're sharing is it's going to be new for maybe even people who aren't the the moms walking through what they have, right? Mm. Like it might be a sister or a brother or, you know, a, a mom and a dad that their children are walking through this narrative and it's, it's painful for all of them. But I think sometimes we don't know how to walk with the people that we love. And, and when they're going through grief and pain, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's like, we, we kind of shy away from it in our humanity, but yet we really care and we want to help. So sometimes when we engage, it's like, whoa, okay. We need some training. I love your podcast name because it's like, please, can we can we do some work on this? But um, I say that because I do have a lot of people that listen to Bear and Not Broken that are relatives of okay, or, um, you know, friends of. And what I'm excited for them to hear is you sharing your story, but also what you're doing to help others who have gone through similar things to navigate their own grief and pain. And the importance of that. And mm. and just some of the, the things you've said are are really powerful. And I'm hoping that um, if if you are listening and you you feel like there's somebody in your life that needs to hear it, I just want to encourage you, like be brave and send them send them the link and ask them to listen to it. Because I think it takes the pressure off of us having to, I always say like train people to grieve with us. Yes. Um it, it seems like it always falls on the, the person in pain and grief to train other people how to help them and they don't even know what they need. Um, and I have multiple thoughts on that, but we'll, we'll see that for a different <laughs> podcast. But it's like, there are tools and there are things, you know, or if you are an aunt or a sister or a brother or whatever, and you're listening and you hear about this event, send them the link. Like, hey, here's a safe space. Check this out. Is this something that you would be interested in? So I'm just excited. I I really feel like there's some opportunity here for people to grasp um, a mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what I feel like you present. You present a new mindset. Wow. Um, And that's what I've really loved and taken in from our conversations and our interaction is like you are presenting a new mindset about walking something so traumatic like this. There's no way around packaging this in a pretty package and making it better. But there is a mindset shift that we can walk in, whether we are the person going through it or the people who love us. Mm. And so that's the piece that I'm hoping will trans transfer through this conversation is like the mindset shift that you're sharing and just the verbiage and the the heart and the the way to go about navigating 
our own stories, but also those that we care about. Wow. That thank you for those, for that encouragement. It, you know, when you're sitting at your computer, like emailing and, and booking venues and, um, you know, signing up speakers, which I, I, all of our speakers have been amazing or, or scheduling another podcast or something like that. Like sometimes you get down in, in the details and, um, just thank you for, for bringing like a freshness to a conversation that we have every day, but also like, like just a, a breath of fresh air. I think, thank you so much for that. Um, will you, will you allow me to, to flip the microphone, so to speak Um, and invite you to share your story too. And I want to hear not only about Baron Not Broken, but I also want to hear, we've hinted at it several times about Legacy Place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, So Jason, I've been married years and um we figured out pretty early on that I was dealing with some health issues didn't really know what they were and honestly back then it was just so complicated it felt like to get answers on anything related to endometriosis or PCOS or fibroids or any of those things and that's what I was dealing with um and I had you know I'm pretty much TMI on podcast so hopefully you're less nice okay um (laughs) I had spent I started my cycle at eight years old and I had spent majority of my teen and early adult years in just a lot of pain and no one really knowing how to navigate that other than to put me on birth control um which I knew I didn't want to do at a young age so I didn't um and just because it wasn't right for me um, right everybody make those decisions for themselves. But for me, I just didn't feel right about it. And then um, we did get married and I, I didn't want to get pregnant right away, if I'm being honest. So I went on birth control and I ended up having just a lot of complications with it. A lot of negative reactions. Um, I basically, I just lost my love and freaking mind if we're being honest. Um, And so I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. So I went off of it uh, very shortly after, but in that I had gained 40 pounds on it. I had become insecure and then now I'm fearful. Like, what if I get, how do I not get, how do I get pregnant when I want to all the things And so our first two years of navigating just this conversation was just uh, overwhelming. And so. Not to mention getting to know each other as husband and wife, right? Exactly. (laughs) Like, let's just just learning each other, you know, no small thing here. You know, so the first two years were really rough, um, but also my health just started to, um, we just started realizing that it was, it was intensifying. So um, we went through years of, um, I would say we probably went through six years, seven years before my first miscarriage of just a lot of ER visits and trying to figure out what's happening, still not really having any answers. So my first miscarriage, we were trying to get pregnant, but I did not know I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I found out I was pregnant and miscarrying all at the same time. Oh, gosh. Uh, And I was home by myself and I miscarried in the bathroom and, you know, I saw, I saw my baby and, and so basically like passed out in the bathroom, they get home and 
it's a thing. And so I was just crushed because I had just been hoping, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and just feeling like, oh my gosh, like you said earlier, like, what did I do wrong? You know, I had been doing all the things. So that was definitely crushing. Um, and the most, um, I don't want to say the most impactful. That's not really the right word. I think all three miscarriages were very impactful, but that one probably was the most traumatic um, because of how it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I became super bitter and angry and just, I was playing the game of like, okay, I work at a church. I go to church. My husband's a pastor. My parents are pastors. My brother's a pastor. Like I really don't have a space to like, um, question God on this, but I'm really angry. So I went through a couple of years of just a lot of anger and God just met me one night and at a service. And I just like literally probably flooded the entire like carpet section of tears. And I'll never forget. And I share this because I, I go back to the community piece that you did. Um, I was at this service, didn't really want to be there, super angry at God, ignoring him the whole time. And boom, I just fell to my knees and I was crying. And this gentleman who was on staff came down from the stage. He was helping lead the night, came down Mm -hmm. and he's like a big old guy. And he literally like scooped me up and like held me. And I still to this day feel so bad that I never replaced his shirt, but it was just like solid and tears and black mascara it was horrible it was like oh my gosh what happened uh, to him? but he just held me and let me sob and it was just a turning point for me and my heart with the lord through this journey and i i think it was probably a moment that god gave me because um it wasn't the end of of the devastation mm. that was coming so um fast forward several laparoscopies, ER visits, lots of cyst bursting, lots of pain, lots of fibroids. Um, We ended up having two more miscarriages, um, one of them being in 2018. We were going through like a major life change. Didn't even think I could really get pregnant at that time, to be honest. And um, I knew, like, you know how you just know that your body's doing something? Oh, yes. It was like, I don't, yeah, so I just, again, didn't know that I was pregnant. Well, now I was pregnant and miscarrying at the same time. Um, and very early on in all of these for, for us, um, I think the first one was probably the furthest along, but we, um, I just called my best friend. I hadn't even told Jason we were in this apartment we were staying in, and I'm in the closet. I'm talking to my friend, and I'm crying, and I'm like, I just miscarried again, <sighs> and I don't know how to tell Jason. So, you know, she, you know how there's those certain people that can say things that no one else should say to you because it's not appropriate. But if they say it to you, like you better take it to the bank because it's right. And that moment she was that person and she was like, you can't keep doing this to yourself. Like your body is bullying you. And she was like, you can't keep putting yourself through this because at that point, you know, we were, we got married in two, so we were 17 years in at that point. Okay. So, so all that to say, we, we went through that and processed that. Um, and then I spent the 
uh, up until so in 2019, that was 2018, the next year, I, my health was deteriorating and I was having horrible, like 20 day cycles, um, a lot of pain. And so I did some research from my doctor and we basically made the decision to have a hysterectomy. Um, so in 2020, I had a hysterectomy and we decided that the, that journey um, what's going to be over for us. And we've stepped into uh, an involuntary childless piece of our story, our journey. I say that because we've always been childless, right? right? We've never had children, but in that we hold here on earth. Um, but I never knew that as my reality because I was going after having children um, and we were trying to conceive off and on, but my health did keep us in a bit of a yo-yo with that. So um, in 2020, I had an hysterectomy, and that was the darkest year of our life, not because of COVID. <laughs> um, and it's it's what it what did that mean for you? Like as oh, a couple, yeah. say would you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we. Um, when I first called my doctor, so I'll tell this story because it's pretty impacting. Um, first of all, I had called my cousin who's an OB in another state and I just talked with her about what I was thinking. And I was like, I need you to talk to me as a doctor, not my family right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she actually said the same words as my friend. She's like, Bonnie, your body has bullied you long enough. Okay. Wow. Two weeks later, called the doctor that I found, did some research. He was amazing. And um, he says, hey, um, I don't want you to book the hysterectomy yet. I think you and Jason need to make sure you're ready for this. And crazy thing, because your body has bullied you long enough. So third person in a row to tell me that. Wow. Uh, I've said wow too many times. My gosh. So Yeah. (laughs) So it was just, I was like okay, I'm going to honor what you're asking, but what you just said, like, was confirmation for me. I've had three people tell me the same thing that care about me that are for my best interest. And so he goes, I want you to give it 30 days. So this was like in November of 2019. I didn't call him back until January of 2020. And, um, he said, okay, He's like, let's book it. Let's book it for May. I want to give you a little bit buffer of a time. Obviously, we did not know COVID was going to hit. Right. Because that, that was in January. So we booked it out a little ways. He also wanted me to have some tests, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so for Jason and I leading up to that decision, I don't think we've ever known something was the right thing so deeply and yet wrestled with it so much. There would be yeah. days, like kind of like you guys, we weren't usually off on the same day or uh, questioning or losing it on the same day. But I would say it was probably an every other day we were taking turns. And just, there were, there were, there were three days, I'll never forget this to answer your question, there were three days where I don't think we hardly spoke. And if you know Jason and I, we actually don't really shut up. I verbally process and Jason is like always got an idea or like he's got a plan. And so like typically like we just don't stop talking. I mean, we're both very verbal. (laughs) Excuse me. And 
we didn't hardly speak for three days. Like, we were off, we took off work, we didn't hardly speak. And after the third day, we were both just, like, in tears. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we knew what to say. So for us, leading up to that, it was a lot of up and down. I'm not going to lie. It, it was no, not up and down if it was the right thing, but up and down. are like, how are we going to survive this? Right. Like, can we survive this? And so we have the hysterectomy. And after that, um, I think is where we settled into like, okay, we have to survive this together. And it's really what stirred in us what we are doing right now is there was literally no one that could in our life that could help us walk this out. No one had gone through it. No one could understand it. No one could answer our questions. To be honest with you, I don't think anyone could really handle our grief. They tried. Mm. Um, relationship shifted. Uh, things with family felt different for a little while. Um, we were angry. We were disappointed. We were, so that first year, I really feel like we were not ourselves okay and there was some collateral damage from that I think um and then there was also like beautiful revelations so we just clung like to be honest like we did heart checks almost every day for that first year like okay heart check like where are we at are we dying are we good are we stable you know and I think every day it was different so, yeah. um, we, I feel like after that first year, we kind of started, we, we say it like this, it was a dark hole, like just a literal dark hole for a whole year. And then all of a sudden it's like, we started seeing a little light and the black darkness of our heart started having light. And we say, it was like, all of a sudden we could see a blank canvas. Wow. Just a white white blank canvas our hearts were like blank okay so it wasn't dark anymore but it felt pretty blank because now what do we do like, was there like a, a defining uh thing that happened or was it just like we woke up and things were different a great question um <clears throat> I think it was a little of both. I think okay. it was like every day it kind of started happening. But there was one day we were at um, <laughs> Bates Chicken in Frisco, Texas. And we had been driving around and just we just love driving around looking at houses and neighborhoods. And so we stopped and had lunch. And I was like, what are, what are we going to do with our lives? Like, so just for some other context, we had lost our church out of COVID. We had. Um, gone through COVID, right? So things were right. weird and weird with friendships, weird with people, weird with life, right? And then gone through what we had. So we're sitting there, we're like, we literally don't have anything in our lives that we had a year ago. Um, and so that conversation led to, okay, do we want to start a dream center? Do we want to help the homeless? Do we what do we do? We want to start like a retreat center. Like, what do we want to do? And so, to to navigate to you know what we're doing now, um, we just started driving around, looking at properties, looking at buildings, looking at areas like all over Texas. And funny enough, nine months later, we found a piece of property that we wanted 
And so from that conversation, it was like God just started painting on our hearts a place where couples like us sitting there, potentially having the conversation that we were having, where they can go to have that conversation. So Mm, it's not in the middle of a, a babe's restaurant. And nobody wants to have that in your house because to be honest, like, and I, I think we've talked about this before, like a lot of the trauma happens at home yeah. um, that we experience in loss. And um, we wanted to create a space that we never had in, in any of our miscarriages, in any of our processing or grief. So we bought 48 acres in a town called Bonham, Texas. And we are building a place, we're building cabins, cute little tiny home cabins, um, and creating a space where couples can just get away from their everyday life. And either they're making decisions and they need a place to do that that's not crowded with the trauma or the pain or mm-hmm. the task of life, mm-hmm. um, or they're they're in the middle of treatments. Maybe they are still in that uh, trying to conceive process and navigating the infertility journey and they need a place to go. Um, or they're like us and they've entered in a new season of redefining their legacy and they need a place to go to navigate those questions. So we, um, we live on the property right now. We hope to break ground, um, by the end of this year of, of 2023. And, um, really it's just, taking what we've been through and realizing that we didn't have something that we needed. And that's not to say that our life or our community or the people or our seasons were bad. It's just we're hoping to evolve um, opportunities that up till now haven't been available for couples. Um, because there isn't a lot for couples and I know I was just about to say that yeah (laughs) we've talked about this like there's a lot for the women and I'm so grateful for that because I needed that I it, it was my body going through it it was you know um something there's a piece of it that Jason will never know right so it's important to have that and I love partnering with organizations and ministries that are focused on that but what we have found is there isn't really much for the couple and they are both going through the grief. They're both going through navigating this, you know, it was just father's day this last weekend. And, you know, Jason has to process that every single time I have to process mother's day. It's something that will never mean the same to me that it means for my mom or my friends or whatever. And, and same for Jason. So, I think we just want to evolve opportunity. I say it like that because I think from when we started 2020 or 22 years ago, I mean, I couldn't even get an answer on my diagnosis, much less, which is still difficult, sadly, today. But that's another podcast as well. Like, (laughs) much less being able to find anything for myself, us as a couple you know, sadly, our our church communities are not always empowered or know what to do to walk with couples. And so we really want to provide a place that churches and other organizations and just individual couples can come. We, we can provide that space. They don't have to figure out how to walk with this couple all on their own because mm-hmm. reality is it's not just about faith. <laughs> our faith is not. Um, 
pausing or fully the answer to our journey. Um, our faith is what sustains us through the things we walk through, but it is not the cause. And it's also, to be honest, not the sole answer. Meaning, and I, I might get stone thrown, thrown at me for saying that. No, I want you to say more about that. I think it's, um, it takes, everything is natural and spiritual, I believe. And so it does take our faith, but it also takes natural things that we need in our life, our everyday life, meaning um, these kinds of friendship, you and I connecting. Uh, it's our stories connecting. It's, it is having places like legacy place or gatherings like gathering hope has. And those are natural things that are, are things that we need. We need good doctors. We need, um, we need help. It's a holistic thing. It's not mm-hmm. one thing that we need to walk through this. And I think sadly our faith communities put it on one thing and it's not one thing. Um, it is a holistic perspective and it's a whole lot of things that we need and a whole lot of people that we need to navigate something like this, um, this kind of loss, um, this kind of relational complications for lack of a better way to say that it just, it can cause a lot of relational complications and things that you guys have had to walk through things that Jason, I've had to walk through. I mean, I don't, I would love to hear your thoughts on this piece right here, but like there are things that we've walked through that most people don't have to. And we've had to figure that out. Um, and it's not one thing that's helped us do that. So I, I would love for you to jump in right there on like, so, what, is, what does know, that mean to you? I think um, I, I it, it kind of makes me think back to one of our, so I mentioned that I was in counseling um, yes. and it was pretty much right away. Uh, within about two months, I was in therapy once a week, every week. Um, smart smart is it it wasn't really an option for me. It was, my husband said, so-and-so said, this is a good counselor and we're going. Yeah. And so he was, he was, uh, I mean, his wife was lost to him Yeah, and he didn't, he didn't know how to help me. And we actually went together for at least a year. And, um, I remember thinking, (laughs) I wish it hadn't taken the loss of our son to get us into counseling. Yes. That'll preach. Yeah. But yeah, we needed this regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because walking as a couple (laughs) is like that in itself is no small, easy thing. It's just hard enough to be married. Yes. And we always say it this way, like you and your husband are a new creation. Yes. There's never been the two of you. There's never been Jason and Barney Roo. So there's actually no handbook. We've got all these great books and Mm -hmm. teachings and they're awesome. But the reality is there is no handbook for Jason and Barney Roo's roles. We have never been. Right. So yes, yes, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like just being married is hard enough. Just being married is hard enough. And then you throw in health issues, loss. Um, I mean, for some people, the the finances of the the finances of loss and infertility and, you know, then just, you talked about shifting relationships. So it's not just your relationship with each other, but it's shifting relationships with parents and friends and siblings and 
grandparents and yeah. your church body, right? Yeah. Yes. So it's you're, not, I'm waving my white hanky over here. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're on a roll. <laughs> it, it doesn't it just, it, it doesn't just end with the new creation of Peyton and Justin. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it extends beyond that. Um, but, but yeah, there, there is this word that we keep coming back to and it's community for better yeah. or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Thank you so much for joining the conversation with Peyton and I. As you can tell, we covered so many big things and it's just part one. I definitely encourage you to jump in with us for part two. And remember, no matter the barren places in our lives, we do not have to live broken.